Hello, everybody, and welcome to Call to the Bullpen, presented by Capital Sports Media Network. From high school to the pros, CSMN is the Capital Region's home for everything sports. I'm CSMN senior baseball correspondent David Payne, alongside my new co-host, Brad Zampar. Let's play ball. So you guys have heard Brad on the show a few times. Brad's one of our writers here at CSMN, and he is going to be joining me during the summer since I'm back home in Milford, Connecticut, where we both grew up. Um, we're going to be doing this show together for the summer. We're going to get video going next, starting next week. But just for this week, we're going to do the audio while we get our studio set up, but we are halfway there. Uh, and next week, we're going to be able to get some video for you guys. It's going to go on the Instagram uh, and on the YouTube channel, hopefully. Uh, but Brad, you excited to be doing this? Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to getting in here every week and it's going to be a blast. This is, it's been in the works for a while. Uh, I think that I brought this up to Brad and to Kyle uh, probably uh, two months ago. Uh, Brad and I just, we text about baseball every day. We text about what's going on with baseball every day. Uh, so now that we're both home together in Connecticut, we figured why not just get together and, and talk baseball on the show uh, every week. So uh, you guys are going to get a little look into our conversations with baseball uh, and, and a little look into our minds. And Brad brings a, a lot to the table uh, as far as prospects, trades, all that sort of mock GM stuff that he's been coming on the show to do uh, in little bursts. You're now going to get a full 45 minutes to an hour of. Uh, so buckle up. We got a lot of, to talk about this week. We didn't do an episode last week because I was busy uh, graduating. I just graduated from uh, MCLA, so we didn't do an episode last week. It was a busy week, uh, so we got a lot to cover this week, uh, starting with the fact that uh, a no-hitter seems to be popping up once or twice a week now. Uh, we had two no-hitters this week, and we actually had no-hitters on back-to-back -back days, which is not something that I've ever even imagined happening before. Uh, so uh, we had uh, first, we had Spencer Turnbull from the the Tigers, who is not somebody who I think most people have ever heard of. I think that Spencer Turnbull was a name I've maybe heard three or four times, and that's only because I'm friends with a Tigers fan. Uh, I don't think I've, I've ever willingly tuned into a Tigers game besides that one. And the second one uh, was by Corey Kluber, who is actually someone who maybe I could have seen throwing a no-hitter. You know, a two-time Cy Young guy. Uh, but six no hitters this year, seven if you count the Bumgarner one. What do you think? Does does the Bumgarner one count in in your book? It definitely counts in my book. And obviously six this year already. It's kind of crazy, but I mean, it, I think it has to do something with the ball. I mean, it just has to do it because there's. I mean, at the rate seven is the record, and you're already at that. And I, with the Bumgarner counting. So you got six no hitters in the first 50 days of the season. That's there's there's got to be a, a direct correlation between deadening the ball and, and the no hitters here. I know that there's other, I know offense has been on the decline for, for what, 10 years or so yeah. strikeouts have been going up. Hits have been going down. So, it, you know, lackluster offenses is a problem, especially when you look at the teams that have been no hit. I mean, the, the Rangers obviously are a, a really bad baseball team. The Mariners were 
pretty good at the beginning of the season, but you know, we, we know as always, the Mariners are pretty meh. Uh, the Indians are not what they once were. So a couple lackluster offenses and actually all six no hitters have been against those three teams. Yeah. So really, if you, if you get an MLB at bat notification with the word Mariners, Rangers, and Indians in it, uh, yeah, watch the game. And you know what? Uh, that's Unless the Orioles are playing them, that's probably the only way you're going to get me to watch it, Indians or <laughs> Rangers or Mariners game. So I guess that's a, a good thing coming out of it, actually, is that you've seen you, more teams. Yeah, yeah you get like a, a, the casual fan getting these notifications that there's a no hitter going on who otherwise would never tune in to see this uh, right a, a Rangers right. game at all. So if you can get you know a casual fan tuning into seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, that's better than nothing, Absolutely. I guess. So from like a, a marketing growing the game standpoint, I mean something good is going on here with with the no hitters, but from a a tradition and and legacy standpoint is the no hitter losing its lust a little bit? I think it's, it's, I mean, it's tough because there's still only been 320 something of them thrown in so many games. But if you're going 27 ounce, regardless of what's going on with the ball, you're not getting, you're not giving up a hit. I think it still holds a certain statue, but I, I think it just comes back to the ball. I think there has to be something with it. So I had put out on my Instagram story and on my Twitter, I put out a little poll uh, right after the Kluber no-hitter, just asking people, is the no-hitter losing its lust? Uh, and on Instagram, 54% said no, uh, 46% said yes. Uh, but on Twitter, actually, it was it was the reverse. On Twitter, 55% said yes, the no-hitter is losing its lust, uh, and 45% had said no. So, uh, you know, you have 56% yes on on one side or 55 percent yes on one side 56 percent no on the other so obviously those two end up you know kind of matching each other and so it looks like everyone's pretty neutral on it nobody really has a a set opinion yet uh but but i'll give mine real quick and mine is that the mystique and the lust uh of a no hitter comes from how rare they are you mentioned there's only been 300 something in the history of baseball in you know the the 150 years that major league baseball has been a thing there's only been 300 of them and now seven this year uh, maybe the the rarity and that mystique isn't quite there maybe i'm not by the time we get to the sixth or seventh maybe i'm like okay another guy another guy's throwing a no hitter you know whereas yeah. the first one i'm like holy cow i gotta watch this so. joe musgrove is throwing a no hitter yep so maybe that, in, in that sense, the mystique isn't quite there. But like we were saying, it's it's good to get people tuning into these games. And it's never a bad thing for a guy to throw a no-hitter, right? No, like, it's, it's it's never a bad thing. And, and to me, it reminds me of when we played travel ball. And we would go out there and in a, a tournament, in a, a, you know, a weekend tournament where you're playing seven, eight games, you would see... Uh, I mean, you see four or so no hitters per tournament or, or like in, in league play when we we're, you know, 13, 14, 12 playing travel ball, guys would go out there and toss three no hitters a season. And, and that's what it reminds me of. And I think that, you know, part of the appeal of baseball is that, you know, like they say in Moneyball, it's the kids game. Right. So this is I don't know, it feels like to me the kids game again, which is is kind of fun. 
but you know it, when they keep coming and coming and coming a little bit of that mystique disappears i'm not too far one way or on it too far on the other you know it, it's gonna happen so we got to work with it and i i think that I think if it stays at this pace, I think you're going to see a lot more people going on the side of saying that it's definitely losing its value. Yeah, because I mean, we're we're saying we're 50-50 right now after six. Yeah. If we're mid-July and There's we've got 10 fifth, right, 15 by then, what are we saying then when we're throwing the, when, when, uh, uh, who's a random pitcher? Mm, Jorge Lopez. When Jorge Lopez <laughs> is throwing the, the 15th no-hitter of 2021 maybe then our, our tune will change but for right now i'm enjoying it but you know i i see both sides i see the negative i see the positive um but since the no hitters have been so prominent this year we put out a text to the csmn baseball group chat uh, asking some of our guys to try and predict the next no hitter uh, because it seems like it might happen within the next week or two <laughs> Might happen tomorrow. Yeah, so it, it could be happening right now, and we could get a notification during this game, and it, it wouldn't surprise – during this game, during this <laughs> during this podcast, and it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Uh, but we're going to read off our predictions here, and I told the guys if any of them get, get the prediction right, I'll buy them a Call to the Bullpen T-shirt. Uh, so the people that submitted predictions are myself, Brad, Jimmy H., Alex, and Josh Chaffee, and – uh, Trevor. So m- my prediction, uh, I'm going to say Jose Barrios is going to throw the next no hitter. Uh, so far, it's kind of been with the exception of Musgrove and Rondon and, and Kluber. It's been guys on bad teams with nasty stuff. Uh, so I'm going to take a guy on the worst team right now in the American league who just has disgusting stuff in Jose Barrios. Uh, and that's going to be my pick. Uh, Jimmy H took Kershaw, which is a, a pretty safe pick, but I just want to put out there that he said Kershaw tonight. Uh, and that was on the same night Kluber threw his. So it was not Kershaw that night, but uh, we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt on this. And we're just going to give him Kershaw in general. Alex Trophy took a Red Sox starter, Nate Evaldi, uh, kind of along the same tune. there, looking for a guy with, with nasty stuff uh, who, who could just really put it all together one night. Uh, Trevor says Jack Flaherty, uh, another guy who just has electric lights out stuff. Uh, definitely not on the, the same tune as Wade Miley there, uh, but Jack Flaherty's a, a good candidate. Josh Chauvey said Shohei Otani. And let me say this. If Shohei throws a no hitter this year, put him in the Hall of Fame, call him the GOAT, and everyone else hang up their cleats. There's no point in showing up to the field. We've seen everything that could be done. That would be the, the greatest performance and and he's gonna if he threw a no hitter he would hit while doing it he would so i would have to imagine that if he happened to throw a no hitter uh, a home run would be hit on the same night and that's about all you can do as a baseball player in one night um and did you ever find one for kyle all right well well kyle jokingly said domingo herman but we'll we'll let him rock with that one and if herman happens to throw one uh, Kyle will be our winner. Uh, but Brad, who was your pick? I went with Trevor Rogers of the Mar the Marlins. He's been throwing the ball well this year. Would love to see him get in there. So the same thought process of the guy with nasty stuff on a bad team there. So, you know, we we've had a, a couple surprises like Rondon, who was the worst starting pitcher in all of baseball last year. Uh, Turnbull was the worst in 2019. He had 17 losses going into that game. He had a, a 10 and or a nine and 25 career record. He's 10 and 25 now after the no hitter. 
so you know, I wouldn't be surprised if a, a guy like like uh, Trevor Rogers or, or somebody who's kind of new to the scene were to do it because it it hasn't been the Garrett Coles, it hasn't been the Degroms. It's been, you know, it's been the guys that you wouldn't expect. And that seems how it, it always is. I mean, Sean Manea threw, yeah. threw one. Dallas Braden threw a perfect game. Philip Humber threw a perfect game. It, it seems Galarraga like it's... Galarraga threw a perfect game. Yeah, Galarraga definitely threw a perfect game. It's like the guys that you never expect. Like, Verlander's still chasing the perfect game. How many he's, no-hitters he's has he thrown? Two. He's got two. Two no-hitters, and he's still chasing the perfect game. So, you know, it, it seems to not be the guy's you know, like the, the guy, but it's just, just people who everything goes their way one day. And it seems like this year for, for quite a few times, just everything has gone these guys way, except for one pitch, you know, Johnny means had the, the, the ball was in the dirt and it it got away from the catcher and and that cost him the perfect game and Rondon hit the guy on the toe and Kluber walked one guy and, there's all these no hitters, but no perfect games. Oh yeah. So while it might be taking away from how much the no hitter means, it's showing just how hard that perfect game actually is to get every single thing to go your way in a nine inning baseball game. Just one pitch is all it takes. You hit a guy in the toe in the ninth inning with two outs (laughs) gone, and it's gone. That's it. One mistake. So it it is building up the the perfect game for me. And if, and I'm definitely going to get excited if I get a perfect game notification, whereas, you know, the no hitter one, I'll I'll tune in, but I I might not be that hyped up, but I see the perfect game one that, and that one still holds that that one still has that legend, that mystique to me, especially because three guys have been one batter away from it. So that's what that's where I'm at right now with the no hitters. If we keep getting them, you know, this could change. And, and of course, we're going to talk about them if they come up. Uh, but for, for the no hitters for right now, that's where we're at. Speaking of, of hits, uh, Kevin Pillar got hit, <laughs> got hit pretty hard in the face uh, with a pitch that had multiple nasal fractures. Uh, I think today was the day that he went to see the, the specialist. face specialist yep. or he had put up on his story that he is ready to be able to breathe out of his nose again. It's been quite a few days without him being able to breathe from his nose. He's got his eyes are still black and blue. His nose is all cut up. You can see the seams from the ball on his nose, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, but he he had a great attitude about the whole thing. And we have a clip here of him talking about the pitcher, Jacob Webb, who who threw the fastball that hit him in the face. Uh, and it was just a, a really classy clip, I thought, um, for him to to go out of his way. And and I, I won't spoil it. I'll, I'll let you guys hear it. But basically, he's, he's saying, you know, I know it's not the guy's fault, this and that. So listen into it right now. I know in this scenario, I can't speak about all the scenarios, but I know this guy didn't want to hit me. I know he didn't want to hit me in the face. Uh, the bases were loaded and it was a one nothing game and accidents do happen. So, uh, you know, in that regard, there's. You know, I know he feels bad. I know me and him have talked last night, today, and uh, I'm almost more worried about him than I am myself because I know I saw his reaction and I know how tough that can be on someone who feels, uh, you know, responsible for someone getting injured, how, how he feels. And I just tried to relay that message to him that, you know, I know that it was unintentional and he needs to continue to, to, to be confident and uh, believe in himself and his stuff and uh, that I'll be fine. Yeah, so we heard there him saying how he doesn't want the pitcher to, to think that he thinks it's intentional and he knows it was unintentional. And I mean, 
nobody's hitting a guy in the face on purpose, right? No. If we're if we're throwing at guys, which we should never be throwing at guys, okay? It's it's a baseball that we it's a little ball that we can throw 99 miles an hour at somebody's body. We should never purposely be doing that. that period. Uh, that's my take, at least. Uh, but if you're gonna throw at a guy, you're not throwing at his face. No, you're, you're throwing at his hip. At his hip, where he's got some meat on his butt, on yeah. his on his thighs. Uh, but you know, it's it's good to see a veteran guy like Pilar, you know, put out there like, hey, like I, I know you didn't do this on purpose, this and that. You know, just because it, it can be, I'm sure as a pitcher, pretty hard to come oh, back absolutely. from that. I mean, you saw the way when when Stanton got hit, was it fires that hit him in the yep, face? Fires, yeah. You saw the way fires reacted to that. You see the way pitchers react when, when Harper got hit a couple of weeks ago, you know, it's, it's always like a, an immediate shock kind of thing from the pitcher where you can tell right out of their hand that they didn't mean to do it. No, no. But I'm, I'm sure that that can be a, a hard thing to come back from and, and then go face another batter yep. after that. So I, I think that hearing from, from Pilar, you know, you need to continue to be confident. You know, you're, you're a good pitcher, this and that. Uh, that that definitely helped. What was the pitcher's name again? Uh, Joe. Well, well, whoever it was. That's the thing, because it's a, it's a it's not a big name guy, right? So no, it's a guy yeah. that who who if he hits someone, you know, the confidence actually probably is really shook up. From Especially that. for him to go public with it too, and not just say it to him, and so he's putting out his support for him out there publicly, so he knows the. You know, this guy's like back at me. I drilled him in the face. He's still supporting me out there. Yeah, and to, to the fan bases too. Because, you know, the fan bases can get rowdy. Oh, and, oh you, you hit our guy in the face. You know, F you, F that. Mm-hmm. You know, to, for the fan bases, you know, he's not going to get booed the next time he no. shows up at City Field because they know Pilar has his back. So that that's another big thing is that, you know, the fans aren't going to turn on this guy for, for hitting Pilar in the face uh, because, you know, clearly Pilar's on his side here. Now, our approvals. This is we didn't have an episode last week, so we didn't really get to talk about the whole the whole process of the the free agent signing and all the rumors that were going around. There was rumors that he was going to take a a limited role with the Cardinals uh, and take on like a a mentor coaching role with some pinch hit at bats Uh, because obviously there's no space for him at first base there with Goldschmidt. Uh, But I I did give uh, some predictions immediately after he had been released uh, and the, the two teams that I'd kind of thrown out there were the White Sox and the Cardinals and, and neither of them happened. And I don't think in a million years uh, out of all the teams, I would have guessed uh, maybe dead last would have been the LA Dodgers. Uh, but that's where he ended up. And there he has a chance to play every day for the time being. How long is, is Seager out for? Uh, I think they said at least a month. So it's a, that's at least a month of, of Gavin Lux at shortstop, right? Yeah. Muncie at second and, and, and number 55, Albert Pujols playing first base because of course five belongs to Seager and you Who's can't, not out there. yeah, but you, you can't take the number from your, well, he was world series MVP, yeah. wasn't he? From your world series MVP homegrown shortstop, you're, you know, even, even for the, the, one of the best hitters in the history of baseball, you know, you're, you're not going to, and I'm sure that, that Albert could have put oh, up a, a pretty penny for that, but, sure but then he, he also would have had the, like you, I think you said to me, he would have had to buy out all the merch. Yep. That's just, it's a, that's an unreal thing where if you're going to have to go buy that all out and I'm sure there's Dodger fans out there who would rather have the Corey Seager five instead of an Albert Pujols five. Right. It's I mean, just what he's meant to the team. 
Seager's been there for this is his sixth year now because he's a free agent after this year yeah. versus a guy in Pujols who's going to be there for for half a season because let's be real though he might not even make it through the half the season and, and when when they're healthy their whole team is based on versatility and moving guys all over facing whoever Pujols is one-dimensional first baseman right now that can barely stay on the field and it's it's not an American League team where there's a, a DH spot for him every now and again so, I mean, in, and even pinch hit at bats on that team are uh, maybe going to be tough for him to come by, but just because of the, the depth of that team. So uh, he might not make it through the whole year there. And, and even if he does make it through the whole year there, he's not going to get brought back there. No, That's not where he's no. going to sign in the off season. Uh, I, I do hope that he goes back to the Cardinals. He does. Yeah. He needs, he, won, he needs one last year there. Yeah. I hope he goes to St. Louis. I hope he hits 700 in St. Louis and then I hope him, Yachty, and Wayno ride off into the sunset That'd together. Be beautiful. Because be that beautiful would, it, how can you not be romantic about that? Speaking of Cardinals and speaking of White Sox, <laughs> Tony Larusa uh, is now teaching a, a college level course called How to Lose a Clubhouse 101. Uh, and over the last week, he has put on the most brilliant display of how to get a, a roster of, of 28 men to turn against you. Um, so for, for those of you who don't know what happened here, uh, the, the Twins were losing to the White Sox 15 to four. And in the late innings of the game, instead of pitching one of the five relief pitchers that they had in the bullpen, the Twins chose to pitch backup catcher Williams Astudio. And so Williams is, is this, he's is a backup catcher. He's this little meatball of a guy. He's basically a smaller Pablo Sandoval. Yeah, he 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 really he's he's like the Kung Fu Panda 2.0 Junior, and so they got this little meatball catcher out there on the mound, and he's he's lobbing 50 mile an hour, 49 mile an hour, 48 mile an hour, just loopers right over the plate. They got a 3-0 count to to your mean Mercedes, who I talk about all the time on here because he he really has been the heart of the the White Sox team. And this is a young guy. He's a rookie uh, and he's up there with a three Oh count. He gets a meatball hung to him by the backup catcher for the twins takes a big hack at it, puts it over the center field fence. Uh, and the whole uproar begins over the unwritten rules about you don't swing on a three Oh count in a blowout. What do you think of the unwritten rules? Uh, well, I mean, the second that ball Deli brought in Williams to come pitch, I mean, all the unwritten rules are gone. Because he's coming in, you have relievers in the pen, you you have three outs left on offense to score ten, nine, ten runs. The second you bring him in, all those unwritten rules are gone, completely gone. Once you're getting him in, I mean, the best thing you can do is just go out there hack. These guys are paid every day to go hit. These at bats still count. Why are they not going to go out there and hack at these balls? Yeah, I mean, you're you're telling me if you're gonna throw me meatballs right over the plate, down the middle, I'm supposed to do what? Watch it and take a walk? Yeah. I'm going to take a walk? <laughs> Come on, you throw me a meatball, I'm going to hack at it. It's it's far more disrespectful to the other team, to your own team, and to baseball to have a catcher on the mound throwing 50 miles an hour than for a guy to do exactly what he's paid to do. Yeah. Williams Astudio is not paid no. to throw 50-mile-an-hour pitches right over the plate. No. Your mean Mercedes is paid to hit balls over the fence. Yep. He's doing his job. Mm -hmm. He's doing his actual job there. 
Whereas Williams is doing the job of guys who are in the bullpen who could be in the game. And, and let's be real. Uh, we've seen stranger things than a, a comeback from 15 to four. Oh, absolutely. I, it's happened before. So the, the game's not over. A home run is never meaningless. It's not a meaningless home run because it made it 16 to four. I think the unwritten rules are unwritten because they're stupid and because they suck. And if they were good rules, somebody would have written them down and they would have been actual rules, but they are the garbage pile rules that got tossed to the side because they make no sense at all. And because they're stupid. Uh, And for Tony LaRussa after the game, the White Sox manager, the manager of the best team in the American league right now to, to say that his own player was wrong and to not have his guys back, right? First the off, team. first off is bad, right? When after the game, he's saying there's going to be punishment for that. He has to deal with the consequences of that. That's not what we do. That's already bad, right? Just go out there and, and have your guys back. Say, listen, he swung at the pitch. That's what he's supposed to do. He's paid to do that and, and move on from it. Instead, you got the guy who goes out there and, and he grumbles uh, this and that about the, the unwritten rules and respect. I don't want to hear about respect from Tony Larusa. It, it's he's not on the same wavelength that that baseball is at. Baseball is on one wavelength now. Uh, Tony Larusa is is on the baseball of, uh, of ten years ago. Yeah, I mean this is this is the same guy who doesn't even know the written rules of baseball. <laughs> if we're if we're being completely clear, a couple of weeks ago uh, they went into an extra innings game and he admitted to not knowing that he could pinch run for the pitcher at second base. The, the, the pitcher was the runner at second base in extra innings. And he admitted after the game, he didn't know that he could pinch run for him. So uh, Liam Hendricks was out there running at second base when they had an actual position player on the bench that they could have put in. So the guy who doesn't know the written rules of baseball is now preaching about the unwritten rules. And if that's not ironic, then I don't know what is. Uh, I would like to put that in the Alanis Morissette song. Uh, we get through a little Tony LaRusso <laughs> unwritten written rules line. And then it gets even worse when the next day, uh, Twins pitcher Tyler Duffy threw a ball at Mercedes. It, it cruised right behind him. It was probably the most clear, intentional throw at ever. The umpire tossed them right away. Rocco Baldelli got tossed too. They, the suspensions just got handed down to the two of them. Uh, it like it was clearly uh, an intentional uh, throwing of at the guy to Tony Larusa. Uh, there was there was nothing obvious about it, uh, and and rather than give you my, my thoughts on what he had to say, I'm just going to let you listen to what he had to say. Umpire's opinion going obvious to me. Guy threw a sinker and you know didn't look good, <clears throat> so I, I I I didn't have I wasn't that suspicious. I'm suspicious somebody throws it somebody's head. And they're not suspicious. So I don't, I don't I don't have a problem with how twins handle that. That's just unbelievable to me. That your guy, you can have a guy on your team who you manage, who you're in charge of, have a, a little baseball thrown at his body with the intent of hurting him, and you say, I don't have a problem with it. How did he get a job? How do you continue to play for that guy? How, as a player, do you continue to go out and play for that guy and be willing to play for that guy, knowing that if if the other team uh, essentially assaults you, right? Because that's yeah. that's a, a baseball in that situation being thrown at somebody can be deadly, yep. right? Especially right, especially with intent. 
and he doesn't have their backs. Like, what do you, how can you manage a ball club and, and keep that ball club, you know, with respect for you and, and listening to you and wanting to play for you when you don't have their backs? I think they're playing for each other. They're not even playing for him at this point. Yeah. He's, and he's just there. They really have rallied around each other. And let's be honest with the talent on that team. I, I think that you or I could manage them to, really the, good, to yeah. the top of the central, especially with how bad the twins have been, you know, on, you know, you could say one hand there's, there's unwritten rules, this and that. Don't be losing that bad. And you don't have to put the guy in it's true, right. Win the ball game yep. and you don't have to pitch your backup catcher and you're not in that scenario. Mm-hmm. You don't have, you can't get mad if you're getting smacked. No, you can't get mad at it. dude. I the the other team could take their clothes off. They could, and and I and I you can't get mad because you're losing and they're winning fifteen to four. They can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. They can make balloon animals on the field. They could call a timeout, go to the mound, and make balloon animals at a mound meeting. They're winning the game. They can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want if you win. If you're down fifteen mm-hmm. to four, you can't say anything at all. Uh, and and Rocco Baldelli did go out and and argue the. The, the pitcher getting thrown out of the game and that resulted in him getting thrown out. So uh, I guess to, uh, to Rocco Baldelli and Tony La Russa, it wasn't obvious, but to everyone else, it was obvious. Uh, and, and you just mentioned that they're, they're playing for each other and the players on the White Sox have all rallied around Mercedes here. They're none of them. I haven't seen a single player come out and say what he did was wrong. Nope. I don't agree with what he did. Uh, I mean, Tim Anderson, who, uh, for all intensive purposes, is the leader of the White Sox. He's been kind of, you know, even with all the talent on that team, he, I think he's definitely been the face of the White Sox yeah, in the past absolutely. few years. He he commented on Mercedes' Instagram, the game wasn't over, keep doing you, big daddy. Uh, then he put out a tweet that said, don't see and don't hear, dot, 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 keep pushing, obviously in reference to LaRusa's comments. Uh, and then... Uh, Lance Lynn, who is a, a veteran pitcher on that team, said that uh, if a position player is on the mound, there's no rules. Let's get the damn game over with. And you have a problem with whatever happened, then put a pitcher out there. And it, it's as simple as that. If you got an issue with it, don't throw a catcher. You throw a catcher, you're asking to get lit up. You are. I mean, the only thing that I could think of you putting a catcher out there is to protect your bullpen for future days. But as long as he's out there, you're conceding the game you are giving the game away whatever happens happens how can you get upset that they're hitting homers off of your backup catcher that doesn't make sense to me like i mean we the orioles were, were down big it was we it gave yes, up yesterday stevie, stevie gave up a home run the other day yeah we we you know it's it's not uncommon to put a position player on the mound and i don't care if you put a position player on the mound the orioles do it quite often because we're getting blown out quite often <laughs> we put stevie wilkerson on the mound and and they hit a, a home run off of him. The Rays hit a home run off of him. And guess what? Not a single person in the clubhouse uh, for the Orioles said a word about it. Nobody nobody complained about it. Nobody even really acknowledged it. Because guess what? You throw a guy out there who's going to throw 50 over the plate, you're going to get hit. And everybody else kind of understands that. Uh, and and even in a it was an eight to one ball game and they hit a home run off off of our right fielder. And, you know, nobody's mad because that's what's going to happen. You know, that's what's going to happen. It, they Trevor Bauer tweeted uh, about it because, you know, he's got to put his thoughts out there everything. about yeah just about everything that's ever happened. And, you know, sometimes I, I'm like, dude, what are you saying? And other times I'm like, yeah, that's the guy right there. This is one of those times, uh, like, like the latter, where I'm, I'm fully behind what he's saying. And, and what he tweeted was, dear hitters, 
If you hit a 3-0 homer off me, I will not consider it a crime. Dear people who are still mad about a hitter hitting, kindly get out of the game. Can't believe we're still talking about 3-0 swings. If you don't like it, managers or pitchers, just be better. Really simple as that. Yeah, I mean, you in that situation, the batter was significantly better than the pitcher. Yep. You can't be upset when the better man wins. I wish I was playing the MLB rally up when that was going on. I would have hit the homer. I know. I would have just guessed, <laughs> guessed home run on that. <laughs> so uh, I, I cannot, for the life of me, see – I mean, maybe, maybe Tony La Russa makes it through the season because they keep winning. That's got to be the if, only way. If does. they keep winning – of course, man, or the ownership is going to keep him around. Yeah. But if, uh, like, at, at some point, if it if feels like a rut, it feels like every single week he's doing something new to make himself the villain. He can't get right out now. of his own way. Yeah, it's like you know, you have the thing where he doesn't know the rules. You have his terrible bullpen management that's probably cost them five to seven games this year. He's he is a legend. Of baseball for sure, oh, right? Absolutely. He he won his World Series. He 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 played. He, he two, managed. He? Yeah, he did. Yeah. And so he's a legend in in his time and and his in his own way. But he he last time he managed was what ten years ago, yeah. and that was a time when your your relievers and your closers were failed starters. They were. We're not there anymore. Nope. That's not what baseball is anymore. Guys are brought up from high school, college, to go out there, throw 20 pitches, that's your day. Yeah. You're a relief pitcher. You're a closer. Closers aren't, I think, probably the last failed starter that's a closer would, would be Chapman. Is Chapman. Like, and Chapman was brought up as a reliever first, mm-hmm. and then they and tried to stretch him out. To a starter, and then, yeah. And then they brought him back. So, like, Chapman is, like, the last of the failed starter closers, yeah. whereas these other guys were made to be closers. These guys are made to go out there and throw one inning, lock it down, and get out. The other relievers, the seventh inning guys, eighth inning guys, that's what they train for. Yeah. They train to go in in the seventh inning and throw a zero up. Paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to and, go do that. that and starting pitchers aren't the same way that they were when he managed before. No. Starting pitchers aren't going to go eight innings like Chris Carpenter and Adam Wainwright were then when he managed the Cardinals. They're not going to throw 115 pitches every start. Right. Instead, they're going to throw 100 miles an hour for six innings. Yep. And, and he keeps trying to stretch these guys seven innings, eight innings, and then you end up in a bases-loaded jam in the eighth inning with no outs with your start and then right and then it's oh crap now i have to go to the bullpen when in reality every other manager understands the pitcher should not have been out there to start the seventh inning it's unfortunate a little bit that that's the way that it is now and i would love to see starting pitchers go deeper into games uh, nobody ever wants to come out of the game right but at a certain point you got to recognize this is the way baseball is we have these guys who are ready to come in, get three outs in the seventh inning. We don't need you to do it anymore. You got us through six. Good job. That's what we needed you to do. Time to turn it over to the guys who are, you know, you did your job. Now it's time for them to do theirs. And that hasn't happened in, in, on the South side of Chicago this year. Scherzer's a great guy who does that. He's, he's done it multiple times for Dave Martinez. He's signaled to Dave Martinez, like, come get me. I'm right. Right. It's my, it's my time to go now. And I, I think even like, you know, I, Lance Lynn is a guy that he loves to leave in longer than he should. And I, I think that 
these veteran guys are, are getting a little tired of it too. They are. <laughs> because they're, you know, they pitch five, six good innings. They go out for the seventh. They mm-hmm. leave the game with three inherited runners. And then their ear rig Right. Up. And then, and then it looks bad on them. It looks like they had a bad start when in reality, they really did do their job for six innings. Yeah. So I, I, I think he's losing them over there and or I know he's losing them over there. I don't think it's going to last much longer. And, and I would like to say, if you, if you go back to episode one on my predictions for the season, I, I took the twins winning the division, uh, which, which clearly isn't working out. <laughs> Uh, but I, I called from the beginning of the year that there were going to be chemistry issues there. I didn't like the hire from the start. I thought that a, a team of young black and Hispanic players needed a either a, they needed a manager of color is yes. what I thought. Yeah. I thought that the south side of Chicago, you have a team who who has is majority of players of color. I thought that Ron Washington, I thought that um Marcus Thames. Yeah. I thought that those were some names that I would have really liked to see get a shot there. Tony Pena would have been good there too. Tony Pena. I didn't, I just, I do not think that a, an old white man was ever, no matter who it was, it, 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 Buck, Show, Joe, Buck Showalter wouldn't have been a good fit there. Joe Torrey. Joe Torrey wouldn't have been a good fit there. Right. I, I just, an old white man was, was not the right choice for that team especially one that got a DUI the week before being hired, right? So he's already coming into the clubhouse with no respect. Dude's got more respect for the, the unwritten rules of the game than he does the, the written rules of the road. So I called it from the beginning. There were going to be chemistry issues there. We're seeing it now, uh, but for his sake, uh, he's lucky they're still winning games and they're winning games uh, at a, a pretty good rate. They're, they're not showing any signs of slowing down, uh, but I can't see that having really anything to do with Tony LaRusso. I think that that team is just so insanely talented uh, and possibly the team to beat in the American league. Who lasts longer Pujols or LaRusso? I think Albert's making it to the end of the season. I think Albert's getting there. And if the White Sox keep winning games, uh, LaRusso's making it there. But I I think if one goes, it's it's LaRusso. Shohei Otani got a start on the mound this week. Uh, and his last start, I got him pushed back. So he, he got his start this week. I actually remembered to put him in my fantasy lineup as a pitcher this week, which I did not remember to do for his last start, uh, which he actually gave up a, a couple runs in the one before that. So I'm fine with that. That's right. I'll I take. I didn't start Kluber in his no hitter. So. Oh my God. That's a, that's a bad one. That's, that's a little, he probably got like 50 points that day like too. 44. Oh my God. Did, did you at least walk out of the week with a win or is that it's, this current week? This current week. Oh God. If, if you lose by, by like 50 points, you're going to be really disappointed. Um, but I'm, I'm ready to put the unanimous MVP stamp on Shohei. Yeah. Uh, I, if he does this year in and year out, we, we kind of thought that like, we were thinking like, okay, the AL MVP is going to be impossible for anyone to win because of Mike Trout. Yeah. yeah. It's the other angel. The other angel that's, yeah. that's going to make it impossible for anyone else to win because who is more valuable than a guy that's going to throw to a two, four ERA and hit and lead the league in home runs. It's true. It's not possible it's, to be more valuable to your team than that. And the dude can do everything. The dude drops down bunt hits. It, <laughs> he's, it's now two games that he's dropped two, down yeah. a bunt hit to beat the shift. Uh, it, it's just everything. He does everything. He has more home runs than Mike Trout, Ronald Acuna, Mookie Betts, and he has the same ERA as Max Scherzer. Those are the cream of the crop hall of famers on either side. And he's, and he's as good 
if not better at both. I am not only willing to put the unanimous MVP stamp on him. I think he's the best to ever play baseball at just at, at the all around game of baseball. Yeah. I mean like Babe Ruth hit and Babe Ruth pitched, but Babe Ruth did not, could have been thrown. Babe Ruth could not throw 102 miles an hour and hit balls 114 miles an hour. Like I'm, there's nobody who's ever been able to do what he does. He's the, in my opinion, the best all around baseball player in history. Uh, even if he only does it for a short period of time, that short period of time is the most talented baseball player ever. Uh, and I, I really think Shohei Otani needs to be a, a household name in, in American sports and in sports worldwide, uh, because baseball really is a global game. I mean, there's leagues in, in almost every country you can think of has a, a professional baseball league. And, and this is a guy who, who transcends American baseball who, who transcends baseball itself and is, is doing something we've never, ever seen before in the sport. I mean, he, he's, I think his name belongs up there in, in every American household. Like people know LeBron and people know Tiger Woods yeah. and people know Michael Phelps. Well, I think everybody should know Shohei Otani. I think if, you know, even somebody who, who doesn't watch sports, no, yeah, if, if you, if you say to them, if you say LeBron James, they're like, okay, I know, I know LeBron. Like who doesn't know LeBron? Who doesn't know Tiger? And and Shohei's that guy. Shohei needs to be a household name, uh, but of course the he's not gonna be on that big playoff stage, no, that big not. national stage. Uh, so All Star Games is his chance to get on the national stage. True, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough to put the Angels on Sunday Night Baseball yeah. because nobody wants to watch the Angels play baseball, especially with but, no Mike Trout. Yeah, and and Trout out six to eight weeks now, um, so. It's, it's hard to get him on that national stage where everyone can see him and everyone can hear his name. So, I mean, you could go commercials, but people won't really know what he's saying. He, yeah. he uses an interpreter. Um, so, uh, I mean, I'm sure you can get him to read off a script, I'm yeah. sure. But, but, you know, there's it's, the ways that you're going to get his name out there are, are very limited when he's playing on such a bad team. I mean, every game he's doing something we've never seen before. And Mike Trout goes five for five and they lose eight to three. So <laughs> it, I do, my only thing is I hope that, that his last start is what all his VLOs were down across the board. I hope that's not something that's comes to stay because he really is a generational talent. Yeah, he was he was 91, 92, 93. And I, I watched the first inning of that game and I think. Couldn't tell if he was throwing the splitter mm-hmm. a lot or if those were his fastballs. And then I, I saw the, the pictures of his pitch chart and, and sure enough, he's throwing 91 to 93 mile an hour fastballs, which is definitely a little bit concerning, uh, but he, he still threw well. Yeah, absolutely. he didn't he didn't throw bad. He was still effective with his stuff, which maybe that's that might be the way to go for him. Right. Maybe that's what he needs to, to do, because last year it was. It was the arm got burnt out and yeah. it's, it's been it's issues with the arm getting burnt out fast. Well, maybe he doesn't have to go out there every start no. and throw a hundred. Cause you can be effective with 91, 92, 93, especially with the talent that he has. And with that, that split finger no, too, is, is not a pitch that you have to throw hard and it's disgusting. So maybe the key for him staying on the mound is I don't got to go out there and throw 103 every start. If I got to run it up there, I can, yeah, Exactly. but if I can sit here and be effective here and, and that's better for the long-term health, mm-hmm. then, then maybe that's the way that, you know, he is able to stay on the field like that. And if he stays on the field on the mound and in the box all year, I think that every single year it's, it's MVP. He has it's, to be. 
do you do you know how long his contract is there? Uh, I think it was. I want to say it was six or seven years. So it's it's a long time that he's going to be there, and I can't see them being good with the effort that they've put forth in in right in eight years of having Mike Trout. I can't see them putting forth. I mean, much more effort, mm-hmm. although they're not paying albert anymore after this year so that's i mean that's that's a big load off the payroll that maybe you can bring in some some higher end guys Mm -hmm. uh and and hopefully they learn from that albert lesson and don't go throw 33 million dollars at one player and i I hope that they disperse that money across the roster where it needs to go and and let's be honest it needs to go to the starting rotation those Um, two of our guys are not cutting it over there yeah no dylan bundy and alex cobb are, are not the guys that are going to get Mike Trout and Shohei to the World Series, and it's it it really is terrible to see those two just kind of rot away over there. But uh, I, I'm hopeful that the the Pujols money being freed up will lead to good things over there. Shohei's got he signed a, he signed for three million this year, five point five next year, arbitration in 2023, and then he's a free agent at 29. So he's, he's there for three more yeah. after Two this. and a half. Yeah. So uh, Shohei free agent is going to be insane. At 29, too. What could a free agent who leads the league in home runs and pitches to it? <laughs> like, I mean, a guy in Mike Trout who just leads the league in home runs and average got $400 million. What does a guy who does it on both sides of the ball? Like, are we talking about the $500 million man? If he puts up. 200, I wouldn't say 200 innings. He gives you 150 innings of 2-5 and 30-plus homers. I think that's good. Even if he pitches to a 3. Yeah, even. Even if he's to a 3, he's putting out legit quality innings and then hits what? If he hits two, 260, with, 260 yeah. with, with 30 bombs? That's all you need. I think you definitely have like to that's consider a, 500, 400. He, he, he seriously could be the, the $500 million man here. And... I don't know how to put a value on that because I mean Garrett Cole got three hundred million dollars to, to, to pitch, pitch yeah. and and Trout's getting and Mookie's getting and and, and Tatis is getting three hundred four hundred, like it's it's gonna be a you know and this is all of course if he stays healthy exactly. on the mound stays healthy on the plate this is all speculation right now, uh, but I think we could possibly be looking at our five hundred million dollar man here, uh, and. I want to talk about a guy now who's who's definitely not a five hundred million dollar man. Uh, never even going to be a hundred million dollar man if we're going to be honest. He might be a five hundred thousand um, dollar man, but uh, yeah, that probably is what he's getting paid right now. Uh, but uh, little Yankee talk real quick. Uh, we were talking about the Yankees last night, and a, a guy that I just think gets no love on a a team that is of course filled with stars. You know they they have the Judge, they have the Lemayhew, Stanton. All these big names and a guy that just flies way under the radar, uh, I think, in my opinion, is Gio Urshela, uh, filling a, a huge need for them at third base. And he does it really well. And I don't think people talk about Gio enough. And I don't think people give Gio love enough. And it's really rare that you're going to hear me praise a Yankee like Absolutely. this. But but I mean, I'm going to pull up some of these numbers here for Gio. Uh, if we look at his fielding, he he. Fields for a, a positive defensive run saved. Uh, I believe he, he had eight defensive runs saved last year, which means he's, he's actually playing good defense and, and providing uh, solid defense for them. 
Uh, he, he feels to a good fielding percentage. His, his UZR is pretty good. He covers some ground. Um, so he, he does it on the defensive side of the ball, which is, is very important for especially that Yankees team who doesn't have the greatest defense, if no. we're being honest. Yeah. Uh, you know, Glaber is sometimes a defensive liability. Um, liability. Uh, Anduhar is certainly a defensive liability. Clint is a defensive liability at times. Gardner's old. Uh, it seems like Judge should be able to catch everything, but he sometimes doesn't. he just doesn't. Um, but but then I look at a guy like Gio Urshela who who does his job with with the glove, and then on the other side he's doing the job with the bat too. Twenty nineteen he hit three fourteen. Last year uh, he played in forty three of the sixty games and he hit two ninety eight, just under three hundred. Right now he's hitting two eighty five. Um, last year he was on base uh, 36, almost 37% of the time. Uh, the year before he was slugging over 500. Uh, he's got an OPS plus right now of 119. Last year it was 136. I mean, this is a guy who does it with the bat in that lineup. In, and I think that you were saying he's what they lack in like an all-around guy generally. He is, yeah. He he's, might be their second best all-around player behind DJ of what he brings to the table on a daily basis. And you, you always, uh, one thing I always hear from Yankees fans is that we need more guys like DJ. We need more guys like DJ. You have one. You're right. We have one. Him. We have one here. You need more guys like Gio too. Gio. I mean, he, he came from, you know, not really being much of anything with Cleveland and Toronto. No, he just, he couldn't hit. He's, he had the gloves there, but he just couldn't hit. And that, that Yankee Stadium hitters park has done him well. Mm-hmm. And and I just don't think that he gets enough love on that team. I think he's very underrated. Um, I mean, he he's a a little bit older. He's 29 now. Yeah. It's not it's not like he's he's gonna be around no, forever, no. but he's like he's on under contract for another, I think he's free agent after 2024. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's there for another three years after this. I mean, that's that. I don't think there's any question that's your third baseman right there no, moving forward. Not. I don't think third base is a, a position you even look at. No, you can't. I don't even think they have people in the wings for third base at all. Yeah, I mean, I moving forward, I, I think he's the guy. I don't even think you need to talk about Chris Bryant. No, for you being don't. honest. No, I maybe, think that maybe for the other New York team, but yeah, not this well, one. Because because their third baseman is is quite the opposite with the glove. <laughs> uh, JD Davis is is nothing special on the defensive side there. Uh, but I, I, I've heard Chris Bryant's name a lot for the Yankees, and I don't think that's the right move. Uh, but the big move that they're talking about right now is with outfielders. Um, so what we're going to do going forward now up until the trade deadline is each week we're going to pick a team and, and we're going to do a, a position of need for that team and then some potential trade deadline deals for that team. So this week, uh, Yankees and outfielders have been the hot talk. Uh, so we've got a, a couple trade proposals here. How many we got? I have two specifically, but the there's another one that kind of loops into the whole whole thing. All right. So who you got for us here as as trade targets for the Yanks? Uh, the first one I got is Quitel Marte, which is one of the guys that he's he's hurt right now. But last year he was I think he finished top five in the MVP. In 2019 he finished top three in the MVP. And he's just been all around great guy. He's, I think he's owed $28 million over the next four years, which is a huge, huge hometown discount at that point for the value he brings. But it's definitely going to cost New York. But I think they'd be willing to do it because of all the stuff they've got, like with the 
with their finances, you can make it work in some, some, in some way, but other ways of getting him like a different player, like you take a David, a David Peralta from the Diamondbacks as well. And he's going to cost you seven and a half million dollars this year alone when you're going to have to move other guys to stay below that luxury tax. Kite is only making like four and a half this year. So you can fit that right in. You'll be okay. But I have the Yankees giving up either Debbie Garcia, Clark Schmidt with Esteban Florial. And then they're giving up one of their shortstop prospects and Anthony Volpe or Alexander Vargas. And then they're also giving up Clinton there to help some of that, uh, cost and the Diamondbacks getting back a major league piece right away. And I think that works for the Yanks because what Kite could bring to that team is huge, huge. Uh, so the second one I got is Anthony Santander, Santander from my uh, <laughs> beloved Orioles. Uh, it's definitely one that I would not like to do, but if they give me this package, I'd be more than happy to fly him over to New York. Uh, again, they're going to have to, if you're going to go get one of these higher level guys who have Marte and Santander both have three and a half, four years of control left. So you're going to have to give up legit pieces and prospects to get these players back. And a little extra for, for Santander for too, for because that's a, a division rival and we're going to have to then play against him exactly. and, and, and pitch to him for the next three, four years. Yep. I have them given up, obviously Garcia Schmidt again, obviously it'd be, I'd say it's their choice. And then you're going to have to give up Flor Florial or Alcantara, who is their first round pick of 20, uh, 20 this past year. And then Luis, two of the two of their three young relievers who are going to be MLB ready in probably two to three years, which would fit our window, which would be good for us, would be Luis Mendina, Alexander Vizcaino, and Lucas Joe, who's actually uh, I saw him. I was watching him pitch for the Somerset Patriots the other day. And uh, the last one is Joey Gallo, which is I think Gallo is going to be. He definitely comes at a lower cost because there's less years of control, but he's uh, he might be the highest potential player of fitting in that stadium and with that team. And I'd say you're definitely still going to have to give up either Florial or Frazier because that's going to – it's one of the bigger pieces. And then I don't know if you'd have to give up Garcia or Schmidt, but I think if the, if the Rangers are actively shopping Gallo – there's going to be other shooters for him, for him out there. And if he's the guy that you're targeting, you're going to have to bite the bullet and send one of those starting pitchers. Cause you have three or four guys locked into the rotation for the next three or four years alone. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think it's definitely going to come down to what Cashman wants to do, but I definitely would enjoy to take that package from the Yankees. I think that the gallows, the guy that really seems like Brian Cashman's dream guy. He is like, he that's really is. like the, you know, he, I don't want to call him a strikeout or nothing guy because he, he actually hits an insane amount of doubles. He does. Yeah. Um, and, and with Joey Gallo, the strikeout numbers really don't concern me too much because if he's, if he's not striking out, he's creating runs. Exactly. Right. And he's, he's doing that through, through hitting a lot of home runs, but he's also doing that through walks and through, and through doubles. Yep. Uh, so it, you can look at his, 220, 230 batting average and his 250 strikeouts a year and say like, oh, this guy sucks. That's the Chris exactly. Davis type numbers. Yeah. Uh, but but then you look at the fact that he's constantly creating 
two runs a game, three runs a game. And then you, you say, Oh, that's in, that's in Texas. Imagine what he could do with sandwich between judge and Stanton and, and <laughs> Joey Gallo coming up with two guys on base every time. And then he got Voight behind him. Mm-hmm. Where, where, they, where they have to pitch to him because you don't want to load the bases for Voight. <laughs> I mean, uh, if if I'm the Yankees, that that might be my guy right there. I would really hate to see it. And he brings I, he brings a Gold Glove out out and right. Yeah, and an absolute hose too. That stadium's so small. I think he might be able to throw a ball over the stadium. I think if he he could stand at the at the front gate outside and throw it over Monument Park he, outside he, the center field. He could definitely throw it than throw it further than Bauer did. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you're getting a guy who's going to create a ton of runs for you. Uh, and is going to play gold glove caliber defense. Uh, an issue there is that he's a, a right fielder yeah. and judge is a right fielder. So one of them is going to move. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to assume gallows, your guy who's going to move to left uh, yeah. because you know, judge is your, your longtime Yankee. He's, he's got the chamber right behind him. Yeah. So he, it would require a move over to left, but I, Joey Gallo could play center field too. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and that's actually been a, a little bit of an issue. Uh, because Gardy's getting up there, mm-hmm. uh, can't roam around the outfield like he used to. Nope. Maybe maybe a center field piece is what they need there. Is, is could, to put Gallo yeah. in center. I mean, there's talks when when Harper was going to sign with the Yankees. Yeah, he was going to play center. He was going to play center field when they went and they when the Nationals went to Yankee Stadium and played at Yankee Stadium uh, in his walk year. He played in center field for those games <laughs> as an audition in center field at Yankee Stadium. So uh, uh, maybe this and in, maybe instead of of Harper. Gallo is your your big power guy that ends up playing center field there. Yeah, I definitely could see it. I think that one's the one that makes the most sense for them. Our last little segment for our highlights here uh, has to do with a, a guy who's slowly becoming one of my favorite players, uh, and that's Nick Castellanos. Um, uh, I'm not going to talk about the the TikTok that he was involved in this <laughs> last week, uh, but just google nick castellanos left hand right hand tiktok uh on your own time we, we, we won't play it here i would probably get in trouble if i played it here uh, but but check that tiktok out on your own time if you want uh, but i can play this clip here uh and this clip had me absolutely dying uh and it's it's a, a fan interview during his post-game interview uh castellanos handed the headset over to a, a fan who was in the crowd at the game, uh, it was a Reds fan who who had said a little something special to Castellanos before his at bat. Uh, so here's this. Yeah. All right, be careful. You're on live TV here now. What led up to the fist bump? So uh, I told Nick when he got up there that he should imagine that uh, Rob Manfred's face was on the baseball, and the next pitch he lit it up over the fence, baby. Alrighty, <laughs> end it right there. Whatever motivation it takes, right? Whatever it takes. All right, thanks for joining us. Hey, Coors Field is a wild place to play baseball, and you never know what to expect. <laughs> so while the the guy has the headset on saying this, Castellanos just has his arms crossed there, smiling at the camera with a little smirk on his face. He was like, you know what? I want this story out there, but I'm not going to say a single word. <laughs> the fan can tell it all. And honestly, I'm surprised no suspension was handed down no, to him yeah. for, for A, for handing the headset over. Yep. I don't know if there's any rules about that. I mean, I, they probably I'm, never thought that come up. I'm even going to say that that's maybe a COVID violation. Uh, that might um, be. But 
But even just for allowing the fan to tell that story in the interview, I'm surprised that there was no suspension handed down, especially with uh, how soft he is, uh, soft Mr. Manfred can be. He, he uh, takes lessons after Goodell. It really seems like uh, the players love having Manfred as the commissioner. He's, he's the commissioner of the people, right? <laughs> they really do love him. So uh, I would like to propose uh, on this podcast right now on episode 12, uh, I hope that Manfred and Tony LaRusso hear this. I would like to propose we, we got the, the Jake Paul and Floyd Mayweather fight coming up. Uh, I would like as a, a prelim to that. Is it Jake or Logan that's fighting? Him? I think it's Jake. Yeah. Uh, whichever. Well, Paul versus Mayweather as a as a main card fight. Uh, before that, I would like to see Rob Manfred versus Tony La Russa fight it out for the most hated man in baseball belt. I would like to see a little a little old man. Um, you ever seen grudge match with Sylvester yep. Stallone? Kind of like that. Um, so I, I want to see that heavyweight matchup for the, and I'm, I'm calling it the most hated man in baseball belt. Uh, so uh, we're going to, we're going to contact uh, the money team in, in Mayweather and, and maybe get that on the card. Maybe that'll be a, a CSMN event. We'll hold a little boxing <laughs> night. We can get TLR down here. Uh, so I just want to take a second to, to plug some blogs that we've got coming out. Um, we are going to have early uh, next week, Monday and Tuesday, our website's going to be down for maintenance. Uh, we're doing a little upgrade to the website, but after that, you should hop over to at Capital Sports MN on social media and capitalsportsmn.com and check out, uh, I put out a blog about the Tri-City Valley Cats. Uh, they were the Class A affiliate for the Houston Astros, uh, and, and they just lost their affiliation when the minor leagues got reduced. I got to go to their open tryout. It was the first open tryout they've held in, in 10 years because they're now responsible for signing all of their own players. The Astros used to just supply them with players and assign players to them. They now have to fill their own roster. Uh, so I, I wrote a, a blog about their new beginning. Uh, they joined the Frontier League. Uh, so that is out on the website now. Uh, the expansion team blog about the Nashville Stars explaining their, their uniforms, their stadiums, color scheme, et cetera. And all the thought process that went into that is out now. Uh, and then coming up this next week, uh, I'm going to have a, a blog about the other expansion team, the Vegas Vipers, uh, and, and it'll be along the same lines as the other one. So if you're interested in that, keep an eye out on our socials. Uh, that's going to be coming out in, in the next week. And Brad, why don't you tell me about your one that you're working on? Uh, I'm going to have three deadline buyers and sellers in each league, and that should be out sometime next week. Yeah. So uh, again, Monday and Tuesday, we're going to be down for maintenance. Uh, we're we're going to, you know, just clean the website up, um, you know, Im improve the interface and such. Uh, but after that, I mean, Wednesday and, and the rest of the week go on uh, it, again, it's capitalsportsmn.com. The socials are at capitalsportsmn. Um, and then ours are at the David Payne and at Brad Zampar. Uh, and before we go, we have power rankings to do. So, Last week, we still put out the power rankings, even though there was no episode. Um, so I'll, I'll start with last week's power rankings, just so you guys, uh, if you didn't see it on our socials, uh, can know where we were at for the, the week six ones. Uh, the ones for this episode are going to be the week sevens, uh, but just a quick recap of the week six. At first, we had the San Diego Padres. Second was the White Sox. Third was the Red Sox. So we had Sox back to back there. Fourth was the Dodgers. Fifth was the A's. Uh, the Astros came in hot up to six. They weren't even on it in the week five, and they jumped right up to six after a really hot week. Uh, the Yankees were seven. 
the Rays were eight, the Mets were nine, and the Giants were 10. So that was last week's. Again, there was no episode. Um, so this is the first time that you guys are actually getting to hear that. But we have the episode seven ones now, or the, the week seven ones now. Um, these are the first ones that we did together. Um, and this week, we actually only have one new team uh, and only one team that fell off. So it's a, a little bit of shuffling around. Um, and and we're going to kick it off with the San Diego Padres. The Padres have, have played a, a nine and one last 10 games. They they've played good for about a month straight now. The they, starters are putting it together finally. Yeah, they've they've played good for a month straight. Uh, I mean, Tatis is staying on the field. Uh, knock on wood. Lamette staying on the field. Knock on wood. <laughs> you know, two guys that we thought maybe they were gonna have problems, uh, but they they've showed really no signs of slowing down. Uh, so the the Padres are holding on to that one spot. Um, but there was definitely a conversation about the Dodgers reclaiming that one spot uh, because the Dodgers have have really rebounded. They they played a eight and two last ten, uh, so the Dodgers are are going to be back up to number two and kind of like we expected, those two yep. battling it out at the top. It's it's going to be a discussion every week. I oh, think. Absolutely. I think there's never going to be you know unless unless one of them goes into a really bad rut like the Dodgers did. I I'm I'm thinking these two teams have figured it out. They've clicked and that we're going to have to have a discussion about who deserves that one spot every week. Coming in at number three is a, another team that is certainly in the discussion for one. Uh, they've been making the discussion for one harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I had said early on, one is the Dodgers. Yeah. Other teams are making that hard. The White Sox are making that hard. The White Sox are playing really good. They have 26 wins, uh, which is, is the second most in the AL uh, tied with two other teams, tied with the Rays and the Astros. Uh, but they, they played a seven and three last week. Even with all this drama, they seem to be showing resilience, yeah. right? It seems to show that kind of what, what Tim Anderson said is see nothing, hear nothing. Yeah. We just play. That's it. We're here to play. Don't care what anyone's saying. Don't care if people don't like how we play. Don't even care if our own manager doesn't <laughs> like how we play. We're going to play. And, and despite the chemistry issues that I predicted, it doesn't seem like it phases the guys on the field. And that's, and, and this is without two of their biggest guys. Yeah. Right. Cause, cause we have Moncada out. No, no, not Moncada. Sorry. Eloy out. Um, he, they, they held like a funeral and stuff for him before (laughs) a game with a, they hung his Jersey in the dugout. Like he had just died when really he, he, Taurus Peck, Taurus Peck trying to rob a spring training home run. Um, so I don't, I don't know what the whole shrine for him was about. Uh, and then, and Robert went down too, right? Yeah. He did something to his hip. Yeah. So it's without two of their stars, they are still, uh, I mean, they're two and a half games up in the division playing seven and three over their last 10 and have the second most wins in the American league. Uh, at number four is a, a team that they are, are tied with on the, the win scale. Uh, 26 wins is the Houston Astros jumping up two spots from before uh, just right now playing like we thought the Astros could play right it was it was it was are the Astros going to live up to expectations or are the the A's going to pull out that division and it was always going to be kind of a, a two horse race between those two Seattle's falling off um, but the after two straight weeks or uh, in the last 20 I, I believe That's they went 20. eight and two twice yep. So uh, I, that's got to get rewarded when you go that hot, when you're, you're 16 and four, 
you know, they're, they're up there at number four. And, and the conversation here was, was between four and five, who is four, who is five is the Astros or Red Sox. Um, and, and ultimately it, it kind of went back to looking at last week at how hot the Astros were as having two hot weeks versus uh, the Red Sox have gone five and five in their last 10. Uh, so the Red Sox are going to fall to number five in this week after they were, they were three last week. So the five and five hurts them a little bit, but they're, they're certainly top five. Oh, absolutely. Um, Something that I definitely did not see coming. No, I didn't see it coming either, but I'm starting to believe it a little bit. Maybe yep. I think that, uh, and I, and I think next week uh, the Red Sox are going to be our, our trade talk team. Uh, I think they're maybe a, a legit pitcher away. They are because sales it's sales sale. coming back. If he comes and then back and you pitches. add another pitcher there, and you're talking. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you're cooking there. Uh, so the Red Sox are five right now, but certainly, um, and that's the result of of a, a mediocre last ten. Uh, but they're they're certainly someone that. I can now. Oh wow! I just got a notification. The Yankees turned a triple play versus the White Sox. Oh wow! So that's kind of cool. <laughs> the The Yankees just turned uh their their first triple play since 2014 uh, to escape a ninth inning jam versus the White Sox to win the game. <laughs> to win the game, they just turned a triple play. I we're gonna. I'm gonna interject into the middle of the power rankings here. I was. I went to the Mets game where the Phillies ended the game with an unassisted triple play. With, uh, it was, it was, a, it, was shortstop, it was right. right. And it was a, a line drive to second yeah. base, catch it, tag the base, tag, tag the runner. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've actually been to a game ending triple play. So that's kind of cool. And it was, it was, that one was against the New York team dude. How about the Yankees, a, a triple play and a, a no hitter in the same week. Freddie, Freddie bringing us back. Yeah. Freddie it? Galvis left to prove me wrong about him. <laughs> We're, we're just finishing up number five there and perfect. The, the, the triple play brings us right into number six because the Yankees are number six. Uh, you just heard us say in, in one week they had a, a no hitter and a triple play. So uh, maybe they should be a little higher after that maybe, triple play yeah. there. But I mean, they're, they're still jumping up one spot from last week. They're kind of slowly climbing their way back up after that terrible, terrible start. Um, and I think that maybe if the Rays and the Red Sox weren't so hot in front of them, then, then the Yankees would be climbing this faster, kind of like the Astros did because, you know, the Astros went from, from fourth to first really fast. Right. Whereas the Yankees have, have so much competition in that division that they went from fifth to, to their third now, I think. So they went fifth to third, you know, so they don't quite get that same jump that the Astros got, especially because I think that, at the moment, those are two very comparable teams. They are, yeah. Right. So, so the Astros get the edge there uh, because they they are at the top of the division, leading the division, and the Red Sox get the five over the Yankees because they're also leading the division with more wins. So, so the Yankees are there, uh, and then the Rays are going to come in right after them, uh, even though they're ahead of them in the standings. The roster. Just it, it's it's not a match there. They're not they're not better than the Yankees, no, right? No. They're they're a good team and they're playing really good baseball right now. They're just and, a team that pieces it together. Right. And, and they've always been that where they're not like a star studded roster, no. but but they're they're they're, they're so deep yeah. in the minor leagues that they're just plucking guys out. 
like Randy or Rosarena, who you've never heard of, but it's going to go set the postseason hits record <laughs> and the home run and, record. And they, they they do it with they do it with pitchers. They do, like who is Pete Fairbanks? <laughs> the year after year, you've you've heard of maybe five guys on the Rays roster, and they win ninety something games. Yep. So you know that's that's their game. Um, and it's always kind of a gamble though. It's always, is it going to work this year? Is it going to work this year? Whereas, you know, the Yankees, you got that star studded roster, um, and, and that belongs every year at the top of the conversation where the the Rays are always sneaky good. Um, but the, the Rays had not played too great before that. Um, but they're on a seven game win streak right now. So maybe they could be a little bit higher, but other teams are just playing as good as they're playing. Other teams are playing better. They are, yeah. Right. So, you know, they, I mean, these are the top 10 teams in the league right now. Right. So like, they're all going to be teams that are playing, playing good. good. Yep. Uh, and so it's, it's a mixture of, you know, roster composition, how hot they are right now, how they played last week, how they played this week, you know, and, and so forth. A lot of factors go into it where, you know, I, I have teams that we can look at like the race. We're like, okay, well maybe they should or could be higher, but also like, I don't know, the, the teams in front of them are just playing so well too. Like a, a team at, at number eight who is ahead of the Padres and the Dodgers, right? They're ahead in the standings yeah. of the top two teams on the power rankings. And they have been for over a month yeah. now, I would say. Yeah, about that. They played eight and two in the last 10 games. And they're, <laughs> and they're down at number eight on our power rankings. It's the San Francisco Giants. And that's because when you have, you know, you're close in standings and you're close in how they played over the last 10, you got to kind of look at the roster composition and say, you know, could the Giants, who's, who's more likely to fall off the Giants and, and, or, or the Padres and Dodgers. And you kind of say, okay, well, the the Giants out of those three is the one that, that maybe isn't going to be legit in the long run. Right. But they were 10 last week. They played really well. I'm starting to take them seriously. They have the most wins in in all of baseball. I just, maybe I don't understand how they're doing it. They've had like the same like core of guys for like the last two, three, maybe four years. They just haven't stayed together. But now they're all like aging veterans. So it's kind of tough to see them playing the best baseball they have in the last few years when they've had the same guys, but they're older now. Right. It's like that they haven't made free agent splashes. No. They haven't made big trades and they were bad the last couple of years. So Their it's like biggest trades were Longoria who's uh-huh. been hurt and he's having a good year now. And then Cueto was, I think their big last big uh, free agent signing. It's just, like, I'm, I'm just a little bit lost on like where this came from because mm-hmm. it's pretty much the same roster you ran out last year and it sucks. Is, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's surprising to me. And you know, I, I maybe when they were bad, didn't think that they should have been as bad as they were. Yeah. yeah. I don't, and I, maybe that's part of it is mm-hmm. that, you know, they had a, a staff that had like Samarja, Cueto, like they had good pitchers. They it had did. good, they had a good lineup. It just never so, gelled together you know maybe they weren't bad maybe they were just an underperforming team for a couple of years and and now they've put it together uh if you're the giants are you buyers at the deadline as of right now like are you are you trying to legit beat the padres and dodgers right now right now i think absolutely because that that couldn't have been the plan going no absolutely not i think you also look at the other divisions too like the nl east and at least as it is now 
you might be better than the second best team in the NL East. And then and you're a wild card team now. Exactly. And you're also might be better than the second place team in the central. So I think they definitely are. Yeah. So you're looking at the two wild card teams might be the second and third place finishers in the West. Yeah. I mean, we we went into this season talking about probably you're gonna get two out of the east, two out of the west. Yeah. We're now looking at possibly taking three out of the West, which I don't think anybody thought nope. was, was a possibility. Nope. I don't think the giants even saw this coming, uh, but I, I'm having a blast with it. I think oh, it's absolutely. fun. I think that as long as we've been conscious baseball fans who know what's going on, yep. the giants and the Red Sox have been the two best teams in baseball. They have. And I, I always liked when the giants won. They were. Oh, yeah. Cause I mean, you and I went out to giant spring training and, yep. and they were all super cool. That was a super cool experience. Great, yeah. We I, we're in our, our little studio here right now with a Tim Lincecum signed Jersey behind us. So, you know, the giants have a little soft spot in my heart. I, I would love to see them kind of come out of nowhere yeah. and take that. Exactly. And they're doing it in a odd year too, which is strange. Yeah. They're they're Even years did. Well, you know what it is. What is it? Taylor Swift dropped an album. Oh boy. It was because <laughs> she dropped one in, in, in 10, in 10 12, 12, 14. 14. Yep. She, she just did the, the new, she like re-recorded all her songs. Yeah. Dude, it oh could boy. be Taylor. Oh boy. If there's if the world, the giants are in the world series. She needs to be singing the national anthem. <laughs> it could be the Taylor the Swift thing. All right. We're going to finish these up here at number nine. Uh, the Oakland A's. Uh, the, the deal with the A's, they played a mediocre last 10. They were five and five, but they're still have 26 wins, which is, you know, like we said, tied for the most in, in or the second most in the American league. Uh, so, so they're hanging around the top of the division there. They're, they're still four and a half games up on the Mariners. So they're, they're really not in any, any, yeah, any yeah. threat there. Uh, and they're, they're currently tied uh, with the Yankees and the Rays for, for that wild card spot. Uh, so they're they're in a playoff position right now. Uh, they they fell pretty hard. They fell out of the top five. They were top five before. They fell pretty hard. A five a five and five last ten is not going to keep you no, in the top five. That's you know when you got teams that are playing. I think they all played like eight and two, seven and three ball. Yeah. Uh, and then rounding it out is the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals are are leading their division in the Central. Uh, they got twenty five wins, uh, which is is good for the fourth most in the national league uh it's it's better than any team in the nl east and and, by a wide margin yeah and and of (laughs) course if they're leading the division it's it's better than any team in their division uh they actually would would not be leading any american league division Uh, they would be the closest they would be to leading an american league division would be in the central where they'd be in second a game out uh but uh i I like what i'm seeing out of there i think that they're we knew coming in that they were going to be the, the favorite in the central after the Arenado trade. I mean, the corners over there are hot uh, and, and you've got some good pieces around them. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jack Flaherty's a beast. I think that's is, a, a yeah. really big factor for them because there was, there was a little while where it looked like a couple other teams were p- performing well at the beginning of the year. The Brewers are playing Brewers well. Great, yeah. uh, the, the Cubs kind of picked it up a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, they have set themselves apart. They're up by three games. Uh, and and certainly no NL East team deserved to make this no, list because uh, that is a pretty pitiful division, especially <laughs> considering the high expectations that everyone had for them. Yep. And you can't, is there a positive in that division? What's the biggest positive that's come out of that division? Acuna? That might be it. There's literally, there's one team with a winning record in that division. And 
dare I say that's only because they haven't played as many games it as is. the other teams. <laughs> it's the Mets. And it, it, it might be because they've only they've not played as many games. Uh, besides that, Phillies 500 and Miami, Atlanta and Washington are all sub 500. So that that division, uh, that would be like the if we did like the ranking the last the 10 last. teams, I think that the, we might have a, some nice NL East representation. Uh, but the, the week seven power rankings, again, that's Padres, Dodgers, White Sox, Astros, Red Sox, Yankees, Rays, Giants, A's and Cardinals. So that is all for our first episode co-hosting Call to the Bullpen. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Capital Sports MN. Uh, our Instagrams and Twitters, is, is your Instagram the same as your Twitter? Yes. At Brad Zampar, at the David Payne. Pretty simple. Can't forget them. Make sure you check out our website at CapitalSportsMN.com. Uh, remember, we're going to be doing some maintenance early in the week, but we will be good for you guys to go check out all those blogs after that. Uh, a quick shout out to to Bobby Lane, our editor, and and to Kyle for for putting this on for us. And uh, one more shout out uh, is going to be to Jaron. Uh, he he did a great timely job changing our logo uh, from saying with David Payne to to having both of our names represented on it. Uh, so a, a big shout out to those three. And we are signing off until next week. What's going on, everybody? This is Kyle Milligan, founder of CSMN. Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Capital Sports MN and find all of our content on our website at CapitalSportsMN.com. Peace out, everyone. God bless.